Support for the show, pardon me, is brought to you by Soul Water. All right, these guys are a small company based in New Jersey. They are ex-military. They are CrossFitters, athletes, and outdoor enthusiasts. These guys make a 100% all-natural uh, drink. It has three ingredients, water, Himalayan sea salt, and lemon juice. All right, those are going to be great for hydration. I like to hit that mixture. I've been hitting that mixture since 2016, pretty much. I've been doing my own little concoction but have since fell off the wagon just because of how hard it is to make that every morning. That's where these guys come in. They're great. It's in a can. You grab it, you pop it, you go whenever you need it, whether you're going to drink it in the morning, throughout the day, after a long, hard workout. Check them out. It's going to be at soulwatercompany.com. If you guys use code PARDONME, you'll get 10% off. And then an added benefit, these guys care about giving back. Every can purchase, they donate five cents to help save Amazon rainforests. All right, guys, that's soulwater.com. Use the code pardon me for that 10% off. Check them out. See how you like them. We've been drinking them in here. The guests have been liking them. I've been loving them. And uh, we'll keep supporting these guys because they're supporting us. So check them out, soulwatercompany.com. All right, guys, support for Pardon Me Podcast comes from Manscaped. All right, guys, you guys already, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what Manscaped is about. If you don't, it's very self-explanatory. Manscaped is a one-stop shop for men's grooming products. You got your your ball trimmers. So this is the lawnmower. There it is right there, the lawnmower 3.0. This thing has ceramic blades. It's guaranteed not to nick your balls. I guess we've are not I guess. I know we've all been in a spot where we've been trimming up, cleaning up for that special night for that special somebody just to open yourself up in the shower and bleed all over the place. It grabs you it pulls the hair out. You don't want that. This thing is guaranteed not to do that, guys. I've been testing this thing out, and uh, I can safely say that this thing works. All right, guys. And they have everything. They've got nose hair trimmers. They've got nail clippers. They've got ball wipes. They've got uh, deodorant sprays for your nuts. All things undercarriage for men. And a, um, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I definitely know some ladies that use the Manscaped products as well from their mans. All right, guys, if you guys want to grab some of your own this holiday season, use code PARDONME for 20% off. All right, guys, code PARDONME, 20% off at manscaped.com. Keep those nuts happy. Keep your ladies happy. And, um, yeah, send me send me DMs. Let me see what you're working with. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. Today's guest is Chris Everett. He is a musician uh, former musician, sorry. He's an artist and he's an energy man. So he stops by. We, I actually met him through Tommy. We uh, met at his glass shop and he took me through the, the process of making uh, an ornament that I made and just creating glass, creating, creating something out of nothing. Uh, this is a special dude. He uh, talks a lot about just being on the right frequency, about his journey through music, art, ego, and life, and uh, I'm. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm looking forward to to you guys hearing it, and I uh, I just feel honored that he came on the podcast to to share with us. So here he is. Without further ado, Chris Everett. Yeah. than actually excuse me than actually water like how much water you have in your body mm. obviously that's going to be 
some of it, but if you don't have all those other salts and minerals and things, um, it's gonna you're gonna be screwed no matter how much water you drink. Wow. So yeah. I, I liked it. And then these guys uh, reached out to us just be from the CrossFit community, and they um, are they're ex um, they're veterans ex I think uh, Marine or do you remember Mikey what they were? army maybe army cool and uh they were they were doing the same thing but they were like it was hard because like you fall off you know having to pour all that shit in your water every morning and make it yeah and so they made a drink that's the the himalayan sea salt and the lemon in there that you can just grab and go exactly like a lot yeah yeah nice all right so we'll warm up <clears throat> we'll do this for the we haven't done this yet so you're our, you're our, uh, our guinea pig for this okay so we did this at the end um, we just started doing this at the end of the podcast, but I was like, oh, let's do it as a warm up, uh, just to get like the juices flowing, so to speak. Sure. Even though we've been talking for a while and you're, we're pretty good to go. <laughs> hey, no worries. So just read out the question and then give me an answer. Okay. Read out the question. Would you rather have dust pans for hands or sweat smuckers jelly? Mm-hmm. Sorry about the handwriting. Okay. <laughs> Dust pans for hands or sweat smuckers jelly. Yeah. What are those? What would you rather have? Like, you know, dust pans that you like sweep? Yeah. Would you have those, rather have those as hands? Oh. If you had to choose one or sweat smuckers like jelly? I think I'd have to go with the dust pans. Really? Yeah. Why? So I could pick up the scoop. (laughs) Pick up what you're putting down. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what I'd do with jelly. It's fucking delicious, but I don't know. But then you couldn't blow. You couldn't blow. <laughs> It'd be hard to blow. It'd be hard to blow. Glass. Glass. Specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Glass okay, and, next, gla- next question. Glass and man rods. Yeah. Uh, toilet paper or wet wipe? You know, that's funny because like back in the day touring, like, you know, the guys would use like that stuff, you know, anything under carriage to keep your, you know, kind of stuff going. So they, what would they use? Just uh, what is the stuff? Um, oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember. Like a specific brand? Yeah. What was it? Gold Bond? Yeah. Like, so, because that was well before there was anything else for dudes. And, you know, riding in a van for 16, 17, 40 hours at a time, um, there'd be a lot of that. But for me, I usually get clean breaks, so I think I'm good with toilet paper. But sometimes, you know, like Stern, I heard him say one time, it's like, dude, if if you have to wipe three times, you're just not done. And and some (laughs) people, some people (laughs) maybe need that, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Good. (laughs) So I think I'm just straight up on that one. If you could only listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Damn. I was looking forward to hearing you. Yeah, so, wow. Because, I mean, my stuff is so eclectic in range. I mean, I was listening to Bach last night. I was listening to... The composer? Yeah. Bach? Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to uh, Dillinger Escape Plan on my way up here, which is a very hardcore band. Um, If I had to pick one song... Wow. That is tough. I was thinking about the other day, probably one of the more powerful tunes. Van Morrison, you know, is angelic. He's, okay. He's so exceptional, you know. And these are the days. There's something really like special that. about that song. Yeah. Easy. I love it. Good one. Yeah. All right. Mary, fuck, kill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys are all right. All right. <laughs> Mary, fuck, kill. Italian food, Mexican food, Chinese food. So, meaning like which one? Yeah. Yeah, Mexican food. I'm like a burrito guy. So you'd marry Mexican food? Yeah, I'd marry Mexican food. Uh, fuck Chinese food. 
you know, it's hard to get the goods. So I'd have to, I'd, so. It's good for a fling, the Chinese food. Yeah, so wait, is fuck like good or bad? Is that like Fuck's a, like, uh. Is that like a, like a. Mary's like your, your tried and true, like you could do it all the time. Fuck would be like, oh, this is just a one-time thing, like a fling. Like yeah. I would, yeah. So, so and then. Okay. Uh, kill is like, no, I don't, I could do without. I'd be, I'd be marrying Mexican food. I'd probably be fucking Italian and I'd probably kill the Chinese. <laughs> Damn it. Food. <laughs> food, food. <laughs> Uh, virus <laughs> yeah china uh favorite venue you've ever played um wow yeah so where we were from our home base in the north bay there was a very special old um dramatic theater called the uh, phoenix theater and we had a real strong draw there played some great great shows there with some bands and that's actually where Bradley from Sublime overdosed in the green room back there. He lost his life there. Shit. And when he, um, you go in the green room back there where the bands hang out before you play, and there's a big Sublime sun on the back, like that obnoxious tattoo that Tommy has on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so there was always this like special kind of feeling back there of like okay. the weight of like, you know, kind of for us, little punk rock kids. You know, that we felt like kind of walking, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, when you go into places like that and they'd have stuff like that. So right. the Phoenix Theater in Petaluma, California. Mikey, can you pull that up real quick? Was a big one. He'll, I'm gonna, I want to see it. The uh, He'll pull it up right here. Oh, wow. Um, so Phoenix Theater in where? Petaluma, California. He knows it. I've never seen it. So You know, you know that place, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. But there's so many great places across this country that, you know, to play music. Yeah. Get some. Look at that. And then you said they have a, a big sublime, like, tribute in their green room? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been there, but there used to be in nice. the back room where the bands would hang out. I guess That's they're awesome. having wrestling matches there now, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, COVID. Yeah, see, that stage, that, yep. that's kind of more like what I remember. But, you know, it hold... I don't know. I think you could jam like 1,500 people in there, a couple thousand people maybe. That would be bumping with the 1,500, 2,000 people. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a big place. It's kind of hard to tell by the pictures, but yeah. And maybe they've kind of shrunk down the main room or, but it's a pretty, it was a pretty decent place. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Um, what's the craziest conspiracy theory that you secretly think is true? So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a believer, you know, I'm a Christian, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I I mean I'm also like <clears throat> like to dive down the rabbit holes of these ancient civilization theories, you know. Yeah. When you look at a number of these things, right? You've got different civilizations that have never had contact with one another building these insane, you know, megalithic structures all the same. Right. And just today we can't even figure out how they did it, right? So that opens the door to all kinds of things. What's out there? Um, is there are there cover ups? You know, these days all these footages of uh, you know people's cell phone footage of, of UFOs and all this stuff. So that stuff really really fascinates me. And I, it would not surprise me if the U.S. government was in some kind of a you know Lord only knows, but something. There's got to be something there, right? You know, for, a lot of chatter for there to be nothing. Just something because frankly, shoot. If we're the only thing out here, I mean, what a waste of space. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Wow. That would be a disappointment. <laughs> so kind of like aliens. I, I'm kind of an alien guy. Alien guy. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that there's definitely something there. Um, so I, I would say that I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I get down with that. Would you rather? Okay. So oh, that's we're back all to the top. Yeah, Sweet. We're squared away. <laughs> nice. Nice. That was a good lineup. I like those. Yeah, I like that too. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the alien. The, once you get into the, the ancient alien talks and mm. there is a... What's that one movie that Max had us watch or that he loves? It's about the, the Hubble. It starts off talking about the Hubble telescope and how they built this this huge telescope out in the middle of nowhere. And like they spent millions, it might even be billions of dollars to move all this stuff and set this this thing up. And they're talking about um, Chariots of the God. Mm. Uh, or is that what it's called? Yeah. Chari- well, Danikin. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. get down. Yeah, <laughs> but I, that was powerful when they were talking about the 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 civilization. If you, if there was a civilization on an island that had never been touched by modern civil uh, modern culture or anything like that, and they were isolated, and then they saw a plane, mm. and a, and they saw a plane crash, you know, and then they were like, "What is this plane?" They worshipped the plane. They thought it was you know aliens, right? And they prayed to the plane, and every time they saw the planes passing over, they were like, oh, it's a sign and this thing. Yeah. Just thinking about it, yeah. our world, what if we were in a similar realm of like, we see these things and we're like assigning value. Yeah, there it is, chariots of the God. But we're assigning value on them. Uh, you know, Oh, it's aliens, or oh, it might be this. But right. what if there's like a very, like if you were to pull back and look at it, mm-hmm. just a very simple explanation for it all. That yeah, well, it's <laughs> shit, man. I mean, you look at all these texts from all these people all the time, and they do. They see divine things because what else would they know to, you know, you see something like that. So very interesting. Yeah. 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 I love that. I was, uh, I like the, the for me, the, the conspiracy theory, the craziest, because I like that, and I think, I think there's a lot of truth to some of the that stuff that's going on. Like when you look at civilizations from across time periods and cultures with no contact of each other, how how are they drawing the exact or very similar hieroglyphics and depictions, and and all of their pyramids are from the Mayans to the to the Egyptians are all faced in a certain way and right. all like built in a certain way that's kind of crossing their kind of use. It's almost like they had the internet back then and they could say like, Hey, this is what we're doing. We're trying this. We're doing that too. But they didn't have that. Right. So how are they getting that? Yeah. And very firm grasps of, of modern engineering and, you know, astronomy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the alignments of those huge structures and doing all this stuff. And then a lot of these things, you know, frankly seem to have been designed to be viewed topographically and way previous to, you know, the invent of flight and stuff. So it's just, yeah, it, it sends me down the Milky Way, man. I just like, yeah. man, I just I just go deep. My wife yeah. thinks I'm nuts, and yeah, yeah mine too. <laughs> yeah, and I just, just like there he goes again. I'm just, uh, yeah, it's but it's very fascinating. Yeah. And how they moved and cut the 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 bricks and the stones that were weighed so much they didn't have. Like it would be hard. They were saying it'd be hard now for us to move and and construct right that kind of stuff with the modern technology we have. How are they doing this back then when they didn't have? lasers to cut or you know cranes to move stuff right uh one of the guys that he actually did the the piece on my shin josh reed he went down to uh he's into all that stuff and he went down to tulum yeah and had some really cool spirit tours and like um experiences down there and he was telling me like with all the research that he had seen and looked into he was telling me about the the theory of you how they you were utilizing sound and sound waves Mm. and Mm -hmm how they would 
if you look at like a bee's wings, the cone shape in the bees, each wing has like a conifer in there. So the, the, the air goes in and it funnels in and shoots out a certain way. So it propels it. Right. Um, and how they were using what they saw in nature and utilizing sound waves the same way. And there was actually, there's actually ways of utilizing sound waves to actually manipulate objects. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I'm a huge believer in harmonic theory and that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, I really think that's probably the universal, you know, called the lingua franca for the universe, right. Is vibration, um, and energy, right. Um, but sound, you know, and you could break it down, you know, into a binary form. It can be mathematical and all that stuff. Cause it's, you know, by its nature, you know, the physics of it, but there's, uh, definitely something there. I think that that's the heartbeat to everything alive, you know, that, um, vibration frequency. And um, it passes through language barrier or it transcends. Yeah. Yeah. It truly does. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful thing where there, uh, um, one of my music professors, uh, he was, a um, you know, a composer and um, symphony guy, but he was actually from the South and he's kind of a, a ragtime piano player, uh, but perfect pitch and just an amazing guy. And he told me about the study that they did one time where they took, you know, um, Aboriginal people from like South America or people that have never been, you know, um, exposed to anything, you know, Western music or anything. And they played certain symphonies for them and stuff and the emotional responses that it brought out. I mean, just seeing this rainforest guy that hunter gatherer his whole life and he hears Beethoven or Bach for the first time in a, in a major modality, right? Not minor. And it, he just starts to cry. Right. And I mean, there's something there where it's, it's a resonance and it's a, it's a thing that transcends just normal language technology. There's, there's something special there. Yeah. I think so many people identify too with music, you know, we've gotten so far away from that in our culture, that, vibration and that those what they use music for in older times but i feel like so many people are still connected to music in in different ways right even hearing it on their phone on the radio you know how it affects i notice for me it affects how my workout's gonna go it affects how my work if i'm working on my computer if i throw in headphones and get into like a into a zone Mm. with a certain type of music, depending on what I'm doing, I can like just go like get on another frequency, like you were saying. Absolutely. But and I don't think a lot of people. I think a lot of people use it without actually even thinking about what it's actually doing and how powerful it is. Right. But right. and you look at mu- movies. I know when I was in in school, I was a I was in grade school. We would uh, we did a movie class. We had a film class, mm. and we studied you know shots and frames and um, scores and how they did different movies, what, you know, all of that stuff. And it was crazy to me, the, the power of the music, if you were to watch a a movie without the score, how different it is. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Like if you watch Jaws, the sequence of Jaws, that's like one of the most powerful, iconic movie uh, scenes in history and you watch it without the music, it's, it's shit. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge, huge piece. And then people talk about that. They're like, what is like, you know, these uh, score, you know, symphony writer guys get so much dough and stuff because it's a critical piece to the finished product, right? It's right. huge, it's so huge. And you go to, like, even now, one of the my one of my favorite, I think, without even me realizing it, but one of my favorite things is to go to different shows and plays just because of how powerful that all is. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sound, the orchestra, all of that. Like, if you, and just appreciating 
the orchestra that's in the they're not even on the stage right the actors are on the stage the set is on the stage and then the the orchestra is down below usually yeah. on a, a lot of those sets and the just how powerful that piece is hearing it all live oh yeah and just live music and um theater is crazy oh yeah like it's it's something special when you can experience it yeah that's the conduit that draws you into that reality that makes it there now right it sucks you in and you're there like you're in tune with that yeah and that's the that's the bloodline like pulling you in right that's the that's the everything like yeah m- music vibration it's it's powerful man it's what, powerful what was your um this is funny like a little segue but i didn't even mean to go from this but it's a perfect way to jump into what you how you started music what was your introduction to music and what how did you like get on that vein of i guess of yeah you know, what so, you did yeah so well i mean for me, like music and any creative, you know, um, medium to me, it's all the same muscle, right? Um, different ones require more different types of dexterity and different things. But I grew up in a like creative household. You know, my father was an artist, and so I was exposed to artistic expression really early, um, more in you know um, glass and ceramics and stuff. But then um, kind of got into music as well, just kind of you know, drawn to it. I had friends that were musicians. And one of my better friends growing up, his dad was actually the lead guitarist for a surf band called the Surfaris back in the day. That's the band that wrote Wipeout, you know, the instrumental stuff. And so he and I got together and he kind of taught me how to play guitar when I was in junior high. And then just kind of developed that skill off and on. I was heavy into soccer back then. So it was just kind of a little thing I brought along with me along the way. But then it really uh, started to take over you know, my young adult life when I was like 18, kind of went all in on it and really kind of started to dive into it more and progressed as a musician. And then in college, you know, I started to study it. And then that's kind of when I guess I kind of went after it. Took off kind of. Yeah. yeah, For me. Yeah. That's, that's kind of one of the biggest regrets I I think I have as, as a person is that I didn't continue with music because I, I i had like it was mandatory that i did piano right. classes yeah. lessons growing up um and then got to a certain age and it was i had a choice and i was like ah, i don't want to do piano anymore sure you know yeah. and I, di- I didn't really want to play guitar or or um I, I always liked the drums like just hearing them and watching how they like the drummers got after it oh yeah and i was like oh, i would do it i would be a drummer but i i always was intimidated reading the music oh yeah um, that was always the hardest piece for me, but I wasn't bad at the piano. It was just always like, you know, work, totally. but you don't understand as you're a kid, you know, anything you do that's going to require work. So you're putting in reps, obviously, or not obviously, but I played a lot of sports. And so I was putting in the reps, you know, training for sports and doing the sports and, we were always busy. You know, we were always, as kids, we were going from one place to, we would go from school to this practice to this practice, get home at eight and then have to do homework and try to eat and then sleep and then wake up and do it all again or this training to this training. And it was always something. So the piano to me was just like a waste of time. Kind of fell off. <laughs> as yeah. a kid, yeah. I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But my mom was adamant that I did it, mm-hmm. which I'm thankful for. But, um, you don't realize you just think, Oh, I'm bad at it. You know, it's hard for me. So I'm bad at it, but you don't realize, well, no, you're just putting in one hour or 45 minutes a week and you're like kind of half-assing it. Right. Maybe, you know, three, three times, uh, 
a month, you're not going to get good at it fast. Yeah. You know, it's going to be hard. Yeah. So you just don't understand. Like, it's not that you're not good at it. It's just that, you know, you're not using that muscle. Yeah. Like you said. And, and you got to dive into it. I mean, on the tail end, when I was still heavy into soccer and training five, six days a week and stuff, and I, well, I was about 15, 16, I would train school, train, and then it would be evening by the time I'd finish up. Um, cause I was, grew up in Fallbrook and driving down to San Diego and back. Did you uh, play for a surf? I played for the surf. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I played for surf for did, a little bit. Yeah. Did you? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so shout out surf. Just go surf. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I'd grind on the guitar for like two, three hours. You know, that would be my last thing. Eat like a, you know, huge casserole, casserole dish of, uh, um, like, pasta, you know, get your calories in. And then I just sit down there and grind on the guitar for two, three hours, just go. And that was a big, important step in my development as a musician, because, you know, you can have congenital gifts. I mean, you can be born with a relative pitch and all these kinds of things. And the music, reading music is hard. Like I was an ear musician and getting into theory and stuff was struggle. Because, so it's not just me. No, okay, okay. it's so hard. <laughs> And because I wasn't a piano player, but having those fundamentals and that's great that, you know, parents kind of try to push that stuff because, man, it, it, it opens up your your perception to harmony and like and you know, and, you know, different things that you're not even aware of how important they are. And if the, the piano, it's the granddaddy to do it all. So later on, if you want to play the drums, you want to do the guitar, whatever, um, you know, it'll serve you really well. But I, too, never did piano, never did anything want to start playing rock and roll when it was cool, you know? Yeah. And then, so I had to do the work on the yeah. tail end and, and it's, uh, you got to get those reps in. Yeah. yeah. So did you, did you, when you were in, started studying in college and then were you in college when start, things started to like pick up for you or how, how did that? For the music stuff? Yeah. For the music. Yeah. So I was, you know, kind of bound to play soccer at a D1 school somewhere. I was looking at Vanderbilt and everyone, we were on the super team, right? Mm -hmm. Under 18, we won surf cup, the gold bracket the last year. And, we, I, I went to Europe uh, the first time when I was 15. We played some of the youth systems over there in England yeah. and stuff. That was a long time ago, right? That was kind of a big deal back then. So if soccer was my track. And then when I slipped off of that and stopped and just got into music, got to college, um, you know, I'm up at Sonoma State and it's like, it's a D2 school. I'm not going to be playing sports. And just started to dive back into the music, met some talented dudes up there that were like-minded that just wanted to jam. And kind of started to, you know, do that and get that creative stuff going and uh, piecing out songs and stuff and just kind of did it for fun. There wasn't an intention to go on tour or play shows or anything. We were just, uh, you know, just flowing and, and doing it and really enjoyed it. And that's kind of how it started to take shape, you know? Yeah. And then, putting in the reps. Yeah. Putting in the reps, yeah. yeah. And then meanwhile, the kids that I grew up down here in SoCal were on their track and they ended up you know, they kept going and they got record deals and, you know, did their thing. Um, like my buddy Tom that kind of taught me how to play guitar. I mean, he ended up getting signed to a major and, you know, did his thing. He's an extremely talented guy and he still lives up here in LA and does writing and stuff. Um, but like all of us, you know, usually I think he does construction as well, you know, yeah. it's just, you know, real life kind of kicks in at a certain point for all of us. So, yeah. You know. It's funny. Cause you think when you, you get to a certain point, you're just going to be like, Oh, I made it, you know, I'm making, big time money and mm. but to keep that train moving or rolling in LA it's like uh. you got to be putting that money right back into what to the next thing the next record the next recording thing and yeah there's some people that can make 
the 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 buku bucks but for the most part you know people think that oh you live in la or you've been on tv or you've you know selling out shows like oh you've made it you know you're rolling in the dough and it's yeah. like you Maybe. know how much it is to live here you yeah know? <laughs> yeah and you know what has to go into you know continuing to do that do you know like all yeah. the ins and outs yeah and and for us you know this is a long time ago right this is before napster this is before itunes so we were all about moving units you know it's about selling records your merch was sacred when you were selling shit on the road and um so it was just a different time gas definitely wasn't as expensive so you could tour for a lot less money but um yeah i mean it was a total rat race and you had to work really really hard and varying degrees of success and the musician in the band is the last dude to get paid your lawyer your publicist the record label everybody gets paid first there ain't much <laughs> there ain't much left when you're done and people think it's cool they're like oh i got a publicist oh i've got a you know a radio <laughs> distro guy and i've got this and that and it's like yeah they're taking all your fucking dough <laughs> you're not yeah. making any yeah. and so that whole starving artist thing is is real yeah despite if you're on letterman or Right, you know, doing any of this stuff, and yeah, it's a it's a tough way to make a living, right? Yeah, and you're chasing that those like moments, like you know, there's all all this ninety nine. Pro- I don't know, you can maybe speak to this. Ninety nine percent of it is the bullshit of venue, getting people in the door, um, paying like agents, TV shows, um, getting on radio, all this promotion. The one percent that you actually love the job for is such a small portion right that you have to really really remember why you're doing it yeah and in order to keep going yeah those little glimpses right you play a show that's a great show and a great crowd and you get that rush and you do that so and it's a drug you know it's a total drug and it's a you know it's an ego inflator and it's a but there is something special when you're an artist and you're creating you know it's content really i mean it's it's music you're creating works and when you're in that writing setting and you're making these things and then it sounds good and then you jam it out the first time and you think you have something and then you record it and then you play a show and then you see it resonating with the crowd and then you travel around and you show up and kids know the words to your song. You know, it's just, it's... That's probably surreal. It's powerful. Yeah. And even if you're in just some Longview, Texas, you know, at a VFW for 400 kids or something, it's when you're 20 years old and 21 years old and, you know, you're out in the middle of the country and they're like... You know that you show up and there's like a crowd of people there to see you. It's like, wow, this. I guess I'm reaching people, sort yeah. of. Am I a role model? Probably not, <laughs> but I guess they're listening. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so there's there is that, but you're right. It's like a keyhole target of yeah, this is the good stuff, and there's a lot of other, you know, bullshit that comes with that, right? But it's powerful because you wouldn't put up with all the other stuff if that wasn't right. So it's such a powerful thing or moment that you could feel. Yeah. And you just kept, you know, chasing it. It's like with anything else, like you said, it's like a drug. Yeah. It's like you're you're just chasing that monkey of like, yeah, that was great. Let's do it again. Yeah. And let's do it a little bit bigger. And totally. Let's do it again. And yeah, oh, I've done that before, so we got to do it a little bit bigger. Totally, <laughs> totally. And all the meanwhile, it's just a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors and mirage and stuff like that. You know, people think, oh, this is great. You blow through town. And you see your buddies, and they're hanging out backstage, and they're drinking and having a great time. This is awesome. And then. You know, the lights come on in the venue, the mirage is gone, it looks like a crime scene, like a strip club with <laughs> yeah. the lights turned on. And, you know, that's where the darkness sets in. You know, that's where that 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 difficult um, thing of dealing with that, where this is, yeah, it's cool. And it's a lot cooler from the other side of the fence, usually looking at it. Um, 
but it's, I don't have any regrets like doing any of that. And it's not like we were rock stardom or anything. Um, you know, I had an opportunity where a number of my heroes in high school became my friends. Um, I got to work with some of the most talented people that I've ever met. Um, a lot of troubled people, like artists struggle, right? And there's a lot of stuff there too, but um, a very special experience. You know, a lot of people don't get to do that. So, no, that's yeah. that's so cool. You know, like like you just said, there's... And real quick, does did any of those people like stand out to you as being different than you thought they were going to be or being like, you know, you think somebody, you see them as a kid, they were your heroes. Mm. You have this picture of them. You go through probably what they went through to some extent, you know, like you said, you, you had that, but to not to that nth degree, obviously you didn't have the super, super huge stardom, but you had tastes of that and you had, you could see that. So these guys that you looked up to went through that same thing on their way up. Sure. Was there anything that like stood out to you as being like, oh, wow, these these guys are are this is way different than I thought it was going to be, or this was these guys are different, or these. You oh know, sure, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of disappointment there, right? Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, like for me, and like I said, you know, like we're independent, you know, punk rockers for the most part. So when I say like for me, I was like total fanboy when I met Joey Cape from Lagwagon for the first time. That was a big moment for me. You know, most people would be like, "Who's Lagwagon?" You know, <laughs> but for me, Lagwagon was everything. And Joey Cape, you know, the singer, he's like three feet tall, <laughs> tiny. And yeah. I was working at Fat Records at the time, interning there. And he came in, and I'm sitting there. I got, I'm on a break, and I got nose deep in a music theory book. I'm cranking on a, an assignment, and I just look up, and I see this guy. And he comes over, and he starts talking to me. And I'm like sitting there, like, okay. Like, don't be a fanboy. Like, yeah. he's just Joey Cape's coming over to just check in, you know? Be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And, but, um, yeah, I mean, you see some of these guys – and it's just great to meet them, and it's cool to to be inspired and um, and see that. But then at the same time, the more you start gigging with them and you see them, and you're seeing certain behaviors, you're seeing. And I'm not talking about Joey, but um, certain guys that you kind of thought you looked up to simply because of their musicality and their gifts and their abilities and stuff. And then you you see a, a lot more peek behind the curtain. Yeah, and that's uh, it's 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 revealing. You see kind of a lot of a lot of stuff that's. Uh, dysfunctional let's right. say that right and like all artists and, yeah you know this is uh joey cape yeah, yeah there he is yeah. i mean super talented they're like a punk band you know from santa barbara area they're on fat records that's uh that's chris flipping on the left that huge tree looking mofo he's like <laughs> eight feet tall First, they had to make him sit down so they all look the same height <laughs> well it's so funny too because joey is like super short right. and then chris is the other lead guitar player you got joey jesse and they've got a different drummer dave now derek the original drummer died of a heroin overdose but um super talented dudes and got to play with all that back line they played in a band called rkl rich kids on lsd <laughs> um and so we uh played with them a few times and then got to meet joey and stuff but yeah you know just interesting characters right like characters do you think it's possible to go through that that scene and be in that that in that space and not be dysfunctional or have some something's got to sacrifice something's got to give in order for you to be able to give your you know your time your energy to make those incredible things and to do that stuff and to just stay in that hamster wheel and to to have time to write compose you know produce do all the gigs do all the touring do the press, mm-hmm. you know, where, where does like the functional part of your life fit into that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why usually it's kind of a young man's game. Right. Cause you know, and some of these guys do it, they get married and they have families 
and they're able to get through, you know, maybe some of them have uh, substance abuse issues and stuff, they can overcome that before it takes them out. Um, a lot of other ones, not so much. Um, but yeah, just maintaining that stuff is, is especially at that age, you know, and that when we're young like that and you're low twenties and stuff and you're doing this kind of stuff and very difficult to maintain that balance and just, and there were a few, there was like, um, the gal, uh, M Emily from tsunami bomb. Like she was straight, you know, no drinking, you know, um, moral, right. Amongst mm -hmm. all of us maniacs and, and so there, that happens, but it's, it's definitely not the norm, you know, um, the, it's rock and roll. They call it rock and roll. It's, it's crazy, you know, it's a crazy life and it's a crazy <laughs> lifestyle. And a lot of people just don't make it out alive, you know? Um, but a lot of amazing creative people, um, incredible talents, and a lot of them, you know, don't get to see that to its end, right? I mean, how many musicians... I mean, like 27 is like the number, right? You got Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. All, I mean, all of them. Jim Morrison, you know, yeah. 27. It's like, what? what's that, what's that all about? What's that number? Stay away from that. Aliens. Yeah, look, yeah aliens took them. <laughs> they're, all, they're all up rocking in the sky right now. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy thing, but definitely hard to keep that balance. And I see some people do it, but varying degrees of success. Once they get married and you throw kids in the mix... It's just not good. And I've seen a lot of guys go down where they have uh, young kids and stuff and they're not around anymore. And, you know, it's just a, it's a hard life to grow old with if we want right. to, you know, inspire our children, you know, live like the men, kind of men we want to be. Yeah. And be there for them, right? That just, too. <laughs> just physically be in the same spot that they are. Exactly. I mean, Billy Joe from Green Day talked about this once after he got sober and um, he was around, I had friends that were on his record label, Adeline and, um, stuff, but cause he was the Berkeley guy, but, um, he talked about that too. And he said, you know, now that I have a kid and he was still drinking at the time, he wasn't quite sober. That didn't happen for him until like, I don't know, later, not too long ago. Um, well after like American idiot, but he talked about, it, he's like, I just, I'm tired of being that guy that's jumping around like a court jester for like kids in this like, mm. you know, maniac, you know mindset because like people think it's cool and he's all that's you know i'm i want to be a man for my son and i yeah. want to show him how to do it and you can still be a rock star and he still is a rock star but going about it a, kind of just a different way and you yeah. really got to change your the way you think it's kind of sobering to think about it that way like this was really cool when you were a certain age because the people screaming at you and that you were jumping around for were closer to your age yeah and now your gap. Yeah, gap. the gap is widening. Yeah. And yeah. you're still jump you having to jump around, but the the now you're jumping around for kids that are twenty years younger than you. Exactly. And they're wanting something way different than when you started. Yeah. And you're having to jump through these hoops and you're like, what am I doing? It quickly borders on ridiculous, like right. real fast. Yeah. Real fast. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Time to get a real job. Yeah. I remember well the first time I saw I didn't really grow up going to concerts or anything or, you know, I appreciated and loved music, but we just never went to concerts or mm. any of that stuff. And so when I first started, when I moved out to Denver, I was maybe 19, 20, early 20s, uh, where come some of the first concert I've, I'd ever been to. And ironically enough, I didn't grow up listening to punk or metal or any of that stuff. But the, my friends at the time that I was training with, they did. They listened to a lot of like metal and some of it was Christian metal. Some of it was, you know, Avenged Sevenfold and yeah, right. uh, 
bullet for yeah. my Valentine and, and all that. And so those were some of the first concerts I ever went to. And even not really having the knowledge or background or even appreciation for the music as much as they did, I found myself being like, wow, this is a surreal, cool experience. Yeah, there's just some energy to, there. The energy and just seeing these, appreciating the performance aspect of the show that they put on. Yeah. Like as an athlete appreciating wow that that was a performance like that was a that was a performance yeah like any athletic feat totally. that was just as much of a, an accomplishment yeah and here in socal southern california we're kind of the epicenter of that punk rock you know kind of stuff Grunge. you know yeah. yeah and you know there's tons of athleticism you talk about playing the drums right i mean those drummers those precision punk rock drummers and bands like pennywise no facts lag wagon i mean they're incredible athletes you could not do that without athleticism and then you just got those tempos. And then if you pepper in a guy like Joey Cape or Fat Mike Burkett from No Effects, and they're, you know, putting in this music theory um, where you've got these layering and texturing of the music part on top of that. And then, in, you know, concurrently, you're kind of putting out a message that's, you know, it's a punk rock message on top of it. So it creates this, um, it's, it's energy, strong energy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know? It's uh, it's something special to be able to witness that and see that and be like, okay, this is what music is. Yeah. This is this is what like what we're getting through the radio is such a dulled down, dimmed uh, down version yeah. of that. Yeah. It's it's it's, in, it's insane. Yeah. Like you know, mainstream pop music stuff is just it's so created. You know, it's built in a lab. You know, with a cute girl and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and no artistry and. They've and, got a uh, equation. Yeah, and you get you know you got to make the wheels turn, and that's how you get One Direction. And that's how you get Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. It's not to say they're not talented that they can't sing and stuff, but it's not an organic, you know, created, uh, you know, medium that they've uh, kind of gone about building. You know, there's something special about five dudes or four people, and it can be guys and girls, you know, coming together and creating something that you know creates impact for people that come to see it. You know, for strangers to show up and want to have that engagement with you is is saying is showing that you're creating something that is speaking to them, which is you know kind of cool. It's a cool thing. Yeah, and it's in it's in in invoking that emotion, right? Like, and that's if somebody can invoke that emotion and pull that out of somebody through vibrations and through a sound, yeah, then. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty special thing. And that nails it right there. I mean, if art for me, real art invokes like an emotional response. Like you know, I like to look at a a painting and like one that really hits me or something, or a piece of music or something to have feel like you know some like a eagle claws reaching into you and scraping your guts. Like if it really hits you, then that's when you know there's something there. Well, that's what I like feeling that when we did the when we blew. Class. <laughs> when we were blowing when we were blowing. on the blow when we were blowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it being in the hot shop and right. and uh creating glass and you made this. Is this one of the ones you made when we were there? Yeah. That yeah, was a yeah, little yeah. tumbler, I think it this is awesome. Whipped out real quick. Yeah. If you guys are on the video, you can see this. This is made by Chris right here. Yeah. This is sick. I love this. Sweet. I'm only gonna drink out of this. I'm just where's my cup? Just you. <laughs> yeah. Where is it? Dishwasher yeah. safe, you know. Okay. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Use yeah. it. Yeah, it's a, it's glass, right? So totally. crack. Uh -huh. Um, but to be in there just feeling that and making art, doing that and making something out of nothing, mm. which is probably what drew you into. Well, you grew up with having that that being a big part of your childhood, right? Yeah. And then you were telling me a little bit of how you got 
like dove back into back into the glass and back into that, mm. which was cool. And uh, if you're willing to share, like I'd love to to yeah. share that. Yeah, I mean, pops like my dad, he was an artist. Like when I was born, right? I'm from Orange County originally, and so when I was born, he was uh, had his master's degree in art and stuff, and he built the glass program at Orange Coast JC, and he was teaching at Saddleback um, Art History, I think, over there. He started the first glass studio that was at the Orange County Fair, actually, forever yeah. ago. And then Laguna, or I'm sorry, the Sawdust Festival up by, by Laguna, one of the OGs. And so growing up, I we always had glass studios at the house um, in San Clemente, and then we moved to Fallbrook and bounced around. And so that was always kind of around, right, and grew up doing it. And like you experienced, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, it's way harder than it looks. A lot, a lot harder. Like people are like, "Oh, it looks fine. You just, you know, go." Da, 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 yeah. and it's good. Yeah, you know, and you have a way, way newfound respect for just anything made out of glass. Totally. And I kind of like snub my nose now at at stuff that's like casted, you know, or what is it, molded? Sure. Where they just pour it into a cast and yeah. and then um, they get it versus like a handmade thing. Now I'll be like at a store and there'll be like handmade glass and I'll be like. Yeah. How did they do that? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you have a f- totally newfound appreciation for all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the skill. Same thing. It's like it's like seeing a song. It's like seeing or hearing a song. Mm-hmm. Like knowing, wow, a lot, like how much went into that right. to create that. Right. And you see that yeah, piece and yeah. you think the same thing. Yeah. Or you see it as an art form versus just a functionality of, oh, this is just what I put my water in. Right. You know? Right. And it gives you that that weight of appreciation and then that understanding, right? I mean, you can look at something like that now and say, damn, I know what went into this. You know, I know what it took to, to make this little thing. And and yeah, glass was always like a, a very special thing. You know, back in the day when like Pops first got in, like in the, uh, when would it be? Like the early 70s, I guess. You know, that was well before any of the Europeans had opened themselves up to us. Um, so it just a bunch of American ceramicists, really ceramic guys that got tired of the process and saw this and wanted to figure out how to do it. Started building their own stuff and just going for it. And they weren't, you know, as graceful as the Europeans, we'll say that. But they figured it out and then time progressed on and, and the Italians opened up and the Europeans opened up. We sent Americans over there and it started to become this, you know, shared thing where we learned how to do it better and better. But yeah, it's just, it's a very special uh, art medium to, uh, to do and high degree of difficulty. It's so humbling because um, your success rate is never usually very high, yeah. especially when you're pushing it to make difficult stuff, you know? Um, have I, you seen the the show on Netflix called uh, Hot? What's it called? It's Blown called, Away. Blown Away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I met one of the producers for that Did show you? at a party one time. Okay. randomly. Um, but yeah, they got some very talented people on that, right? Yeah. Um, but I see that I I started watching it after I went with you guys. Yeah. And I had such an appreciation for it. I'd be watching it just like wow, mouth mouth like jaw on the floor. Yeah. And my wife would be just kind of like casually watching, and she'd just hear me be like, oh. <gasps> The suspenseful yeah, moment. The suspense when yeah. they're like teetering. They've got this huge piece that they've got a couple of punty sticks on and they're getting the crack. Yeah. And you're just like, this is the moment. The that, transfer. Yeah. Here the transfer. Yeah. Stand by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it just shatters and you're like, oh my God. Right. Like that was hours. Yeah. It's of, heartbreaking. Of work, of yeah. precision, of everything going right. Yeah. And yeah. you just appreciate how like every piece that they make was a miracle. Totally. It's pretty much the way it is. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Cause, cause so many things can go wrong, you know, so many yeah. things can go wrong, but there's something just amazing about it. 
Um, and it's very cool because people have been doing it for a very, very long time, right? Um, right. Venetians, the Egyptians. And it's like, how would you ever endeavor to do something so hard, so difficult? Back then, they had little kids stoking wood furnaces to keep them hot to enough. Keep it hot, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they almost burned, in the, the Venetians almost burned down Venice. And that's why they pushed them out to Murano, the little island off the coast, because they're like, all right, fuckers, like, <laughs> go burn down go, that yeah, island. Yeah, like, yeah. see ya. Like and, lepers. Yeah. And uh, it's just an incredible thing. So, my dad, he always kind of talked about it like it was this heavy spiritual thing, like in his own way. Yeah. Um, you know, like it was this, uh, there was a weight to it that we had to respect because of the longevity of it and stuff. But it is it, now that I'm older, you know, because he had me starting when I was really young. And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, dad, whatever. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me try it again. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's there's something special to it, you know, still using the same tools, right? Still doing all the same stuff that these guys did so long ago. Um, but the tech's a little bit better. So it, um, the uh, furnaces and yeah. stuff we use but the pipes those hand tools on the bench all that stuff it's the same we can just we don't have to have a little kid stoking the fire no we can, we can keep the temperature <laughs> yeah. where we want it now right. and yeah. it's much easier totally. just to think about how having to naturally create that it'd be like Insane. impossible yeah and and you know you can go to venice rome and go to like the museums and stuff and you can see the work that they did back then and they couldn't get the glass hot enough to burn out all the impurities. So it would be kind of yellowy because zinc and stuff would still be in there and bubbly kind of. It wasn't until like the Industrial Revolution, the Italians figured out how to burn that out. And they called it Cristallo because it was the first time it was clear. Um, but like work-wise, like dragon stem goblets and all this stuff, it's right there. And you're just like, whoa, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. It's cool to... to- we, I watched a, a, me and my wife watched something called, uh, what was it? It's like Medici. It was about the Medici family mm-hmm. in Italy yeah. and their influence throughout basically the modern or the world at that time, the Renaissance period, and yeah. how they were the, basically the bankers. Totally. They were, if you know who the Ro- Rockefellers are, they were basically the Rockefellers of that time period. Yep. And influencing politics, the world, Everything. religion literally everything was at their like they were the ones that funded and brought artists like Michelangelo, Da Vinci, um Bordetello, is that his name Bordetello? Bordetello? Bordetello. Yeah, Bordetello. And some of these like the most famous artists of their time period, the Renaissance, yep. revolution, they were responsible for all of that basically because of how they funded and valued the art. Yeah. And just to see and appreciate the glass work that would have been going on at that, at that time, time is gnarly. Yeah. And how art is how art plays a part in civilization and culture and the advancement of it totally. and the expression of it. Yeah. It's pretty it's really cool. Have you been to Florence? No. So if you go to Florence and you cross the river there and you go to the Medici Palace, I mean I guess that was their pad. It's insane. <laughs> it is the biggest like it just goes for days and days and days. It's it's enormous and yeah so i mean i didn't know too much about the family and it's cool to kind of hear you talk on that but i uh yeah i was blown away just walking around it's called the medici palace and it's just this enormous place right and it just is like incredible and just right there in the heart of it right and um the italians back in the day in that renaissance period and all this kind of stuff i mean the the creative works and stuff that came out all that stuff it's pretty pretty special stuff it's really cool yeah, and the yeah the um, you never hear about the Medici's right? You never like I've never heard about that, and I I have a pretty solid 
uh, I went to a pretty good school for K through eight, and we learned a lot about history and all of these people. But they never, you know, you never learn about that family really mm. very yeah. much. And then when you hear about all the things they're responsible for, you're like, how are we not talking about this? Sure. How is? And then they had like three popes in the family because when you had a family member in the in as a cardinal or that could become close to a pope that could influence um, the pope mm-hmm. in the Vatican, like that was power. And they came, it wasn't like they were born into that. They came from street merchants right. and built into that. And so they had, everyone tried to kill them along the way. Huh. And a lot of them got assassinated because the noble families hated them because they weren't nobility. They were they're, they're, They started as just peasants, basically, that were selling stuff on the street and then basically became the most powerful family in all of the world at a time. Awesome. And And just to see that, I was like, holy cow. Like how do more people not know about this? That's very cool. But you hear about, you know, the, you hear about and know about all the things they did, you know, with the Sistine chapels and the commissioning of all these crazy, you know, domes and works of arts. And, you know, they have people in their family that became popes. They have people that were married to Kings and Queens, and then they eventually got into Royal bloodlines. And, Mm. um, but it's gnarly. Yeah. It's just so cool how yeah. that how that and how they tied in the the art with all of that. I was just like we were reading about it because we saw that show and then we were like looking at the facts and what was actually true about it, what was exaggerated and how it all happened and like we were just blown away. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think some of that's maybe lost these days, you know, people think like, you know, art, you know, it's just like it's yeah, it's got value and you hear people these days and they talk about Banksy or they talk about, you know, certain things, but it's almost like a currency and it's almost like what's hip and stuff, but to actually, you know, take time to, you know, really, you know, um, promote and, and, you know, push that kind of stuff, that creative stuff. I mean, cause otherwise you'd have no Duomos, you'd have no Sistine Chapel, you'd have no thing. And that's what lasts, right? Like, what do we think of when we think of Florence and we think of that stuff and you got Tuscany, you got wine, you got olive oil, you got other stuff, but art, I mean, that is everything. I mean, it's such a big, big thing, whether it's, you know, music or sculptural or whatever. I mean, I think, you know, some these days, and a lot of us are are more zeroed in on dough, right? We all want to make dough, um, which is important too, but, um, you know, focusing on those things that really last and really impact people, um, you know, it's, it's important to look at that. God bless them. Yeah, it's easy to see now why people, if you don't understand it and you don't really know about it and understand what goes into that stuff, it's crazy. It's ludicrous to think about people paying millions of dollars for a painting right. or a piece of art. And But now when you actually see and you know and you see those pieces of art as like, okay, this was a miracle that yeah. that got done. Yeah. You're like, I'll pay anything yeah. for that, to have that miracle, to have the physical representation of what happened, what went into that. Yeah. And now you're just like, oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Any, you know, whatever you want, take it. You yeah. know, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. Yeah, exactly. I'll have some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And those things just appreciate over time. So it's not a, it's it's not bad investments. They're good investments, but to the right people. Yeah. But to some people, it's like, that's ludicrous yeah. that you would pay millions of dollars for ink on a piece of paper right you know but then therein lies the beauty too because it's all the value is all in the eye of the beholder right so it's like the audience dictates it's like a free it's like a free market thing almost like they they're the one that's drives the value the artist just puts it out there and the critics of the world or the fans of the world will either burn them down 
or embrace them. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so it's interesting to see how that evolves, right? Like you look at modern, like American artist Pollock, right? Or you know somebody that goes a different way and does something unique, right? And he was dripping those paintings and doing that stuff. And initially, the art community was like, "Holy shit, this guy's cracked it open! Like this is this is avant garde. This has never been done. This is amazing." But other people were like, "Yeah, it's cool." Now those things sell for 40 million bucks, you know, <laughs> yeah. 50, 70 million yeah. bucks, you know, it's like Jackson was onto something, you know, yeah. <clears throat> you, know that, you have that old lady that takes it to, she doesn't know she has and right. takes it on antique road show. Totally. <laughs> what have I got here? <laughs> You've got a winner, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. So you, uh, you found art and you, when did you go from punk rocker to now I'm going to affect the you know, the people that I can touch and help with the art and with what you're doing in the, the glass shop and with the healing process that that brings. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So post, you know, college, you know, kind of music kind of off and on, uh, my career kind of started to just day to day work, you know, kind of took over and doing that in the family biz. Um, and, you know, the music had kind of tapered off here and there, just not really recording as much anymore. Um, the glass, you know, I would do it, but I wasn't getting as many reps in as I probably should have. Um, you know, my father would do it. We do galleries and we do art openings and we do things every once in a while, but I wasn't doing it a ton. And then, um, or as much as I should having a functional studio at my parents' house. Um, and then, you know, that would have been about eight years ago. Um, kind of, there was like a family tragedy that kind of struck my brother. Um, we, we lost him, um, to, to an overdose. And, and he, uh, when, when I, it was kind of like one of those situations where, you know, growing up and stuff, I'm the middle child. Right. And he was the oldest son, but I was kind of like the guy, I was like the athlete, I was the artist, you know, um, and he was like a high performer guy. He was uh, a Wall Street guy, you know, when very, very, very smart, high scores on SAT, super intelligent, um, but kind of those artist rock star tendencies. He lived very fast, right? Um, and, you know, with that, it uh, brought on just a, you know, fast lifestyle, right? And, um, but everyone used to joke around like, all right, Chris is the musician, Meryl's the rock star. Right. And he just <laughs> yeah. life of the party, like right. super cool, very good looking. Um, you know, um, had life by the balls as we like to say. Everybody loved him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his first year out of college, he got the highest score in the nation on a series seven. He was working at the world trade center, VP of Morgan, like his second year with a half a billion under his belt. Yeah. I mean, just like un- insane. Yeah. But you know, a lot of ego, a lot of stuff there. And tragically, we lost him. And it's just one of those situations where when it went down, it was, you know, at my parents' house, they were both standing over me watching while I was, you know, trying to, you know, work on him. And we lost him. And, um, and it, uh, it gutted me like a fish. And uh, I, uh, from that point, I just stopped creating stopped um just stopped creating and i was working and i dove into my career and um you know kind of charging along right but um, just trying to push it down right b- box that shit up yeah. so tight 
Um, but you know, it's almost like you box it up really tight, but you're dragging it around on a chain, right? <laughs> yeah. And it starts to dig through the meat in your shoulder and then it starts to cut through the bone and then it starts to do other things. Um, so yeah, so I did that, you know, for quite some time and just charging along my career path and hiding all that stuff. Um, you know, still doing well in business and all that kind of stuff. But meanwhile, kind of on fire inside, right? Mm-hmm. In a bad way. Yeah. Um, and then just a few years after that, I lost my father. And then that just was like the thing that just kind of pushed me over. And I was just like, you know, I was the only man left in my family. It, it tore my mom up. You know, obviously, those are two hits that she couldn't take. Um, and still chugging along on the outside. Everything looked really, really good. You know, um, the job, the you know, all that stuff, you know, you just, you just, uh, you just keep cruising along. Find a way to keep going. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, kind of finally hit like, uh, a breaking point where I kind of bottomed out and had to just step back from all of it and knew that I just needed a really hard reset. And, uh, in doing that, um, you know, I, I started to take a whole new direction in my life and, um, turn the art back on and the art and the music stuff. Yeah. I'll do a little stuff here and there, you know, with my kids and kind of jam along and get them going and stuff. But for me, the thing that I've really been diving into more is the, uh, you know, creative mediums, the glass ceramics, um, and, and that kind of stuff, um, to, uh, to use it more as a tool in, in a, in a therapeutic way, uh, not just for me, but for others too. Right. Do you think you, you kind of turned it off when that happened? You, you shut that down because it was such making art and, and music and everything is such an emotional thing and such a deep, like spiritual, emotional journey that if you were to, you know, that you kind of shut that down because it was connecting you with that, you know, those things that you were still dealing with and not kind of having the I don't know if it was time or you can speak whether it was time or just pain or what was, you know, the reason not, you know, delving into that, Mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I just shut it down. One, you know, after losing my father, I think that was probably that, you know, the glass stuff there too. Like, I mean, he was the guy always doing it with him. That was my uh, connection to that. Um, But yeah, I mean, you just, you, when you hit a point and you're rattled with, trauma like that, you know, you just, you start to, in order to snuff out that like distortion, like, you know, I'm a vibration guy, I'm a sound guy. And it just was like this blazing distortion, this overwhelming sound where you couldn't hear. Like, I I felt like I was just like in this bubble of this like loud noise everywhere I went. And people would try to perforate that by reaching out and they're saying, Oh, Chris, you know, and he's had such a rough go of this. And Oh, but you know, he's, a, he's an artist and he's just, he's kind of, he's, he's kind of like that. And you were just kind of insulated in this, in this storm of, of noise, you know, and with that noise, you can't communicate or commune with yourself, like who you are. And, um, you know, with that, all those things that are special that make you who you are, those unique things that you do, you, you just stop and, and, um, and then you just kind of start ghosting. And, and I didn't really realize, frankly, like, you know, that you're not even when you start letting stuff like that go, you're not even really aware that you're doing it because you're just like in the shit and you're just trudging along. You're, you're not growing. You're not you're not um, 
you know, having like impactful experiences for yourself, right? Where, right. You, where you're engaging your, your mind and your soul into doing things that you're meant to do. And you just kind of start to kind of go the wrong way, right? Yeah. You hot focus on the wrong thing and you're just like, this is what matters. This is all that I, you know, yeah. step, 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 step. And you're kind of just trying to hold it together. Right. You know, you're trying to maintain a mirage of control, yeah. you know, under. Especially if you're, you know, you had the wife, the kid, some, one of the kids at that time. One. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're the man of the house, not only for your family, but also um, your, your mom as well. And you're and two families, you know, you're the right. head of the house for. Right. And, and then in, you know, for men in our culture, it's not like, hey, that's a really, you know, accepted thing is like, hey, what, how are you feeling? You know, mm. get in touch with your feelings. Yeah. And, you know, what's going on with you? Like, so true. tell me more. It's just like, hey, box that shit up and you push it down. And that's it's like, it. how do we deal with pain? You know, or where I saw this awesome meme that was like, where do we, um, where do we put pain or where do we hide pain in our muscles? Yeah, there you <laughs> How go. How do we deal with more pain? We get bigger muscles. That's it. <laughs> and that, and I would think about that because, you know, they were pushing me around all these therapists trying to fix me. And obviously it just wasn't working. And, uh, you know, and I think that same thing, like somebody walked by, Hey, Chris, how's it going? And I'd be like, Oh man, if I was any better, I'd be two people. And I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? I'm miserable <laughs> right now, but I have to. Yeah. Let people know that no, I'm squared away and I'm good, you know. Right. And that's what we as men do, yeah. right? And a lot of us too. It's it's kind of it's kind of we only give what we put. So if somebody is just people, I think too too often casually just say, "Hey, what's like what's going on? How are you doing?" Hmm. When they don't actually mean that, they you care. know, they don't care. <laughs> yeah, they think that's the polite thing to say. Yeah, but that's not an invitation to be like. I'm having a terrible time. <laughs> right. This guy's dumping his shit on me. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying, hi, bro. I got to yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I feel like we're moving so fast and we're just catching these glimpses of each other mm. as we're moving. And it's very hard to actually have those connections where you can actually sit down and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, how right. are you doing? Like, tell me what's what's happening. Right. What's, what's, and then you, you start to unload and be able to even feel comfortable to talk about it or to even delve through those emotions or... And then it's going to start coming out sideways if you don't, right? You right. box it up and you hold it down for so long, it's going to start coming out in all these weird sideways places. Yeah. And it's, oh, that broke. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so it's like, you know, the the more, it's it's not, it's very taboo still to be like, hey, I have a lot of trauma and I have a lot of shit that I've dealt with and that I'm dealing with right. as a man. And these are the ways I deal with it. You know, it's not super common and it's getting more and more common and more and more uh, accepted which is cool but there's also a ton of other things that are happening now where you know guys like that that are going through trauma aren't having to turn to like drugs and alcohol to fix those kind of things right like there people are spending more time understanding okay mental health is a huge thing especially with the pandemic right it's like impossible to ignore now yeah that mental health is is responsible for everything that we do in our lives. If we're mentally healthy and sound and able to process things and come, you know, and and have the space, then we're going to be successful in in what we do. We're going to have success in in those things, whether it's family, whether it's job, whether it's academics or um, athletics or performance or raising kids or whatever it is. Right. We're going to be successful if we focus on that stuff. Right. And it's it's crazy to me that. You know that everything was just you know the the mental health and the 
the help that a lot of the guys found was just at the end of a bottle for mm. the longest time or at the right. bottom of a, a you know a pill a pill bottle that's right and you know that that was just what you did right that was like it was like being in the military you know take a take an advil face out and take a knee until yeah. you're ready to go again yeah <laughs> yeah and and tragically you know because it's like and no shot to the doctors, you know, they're just working within the rigid framework they got, right? Pharmacology is broken. It's all like they're just doing, they're working with what they got. And now you hear about a lot of that stuff. And they're like, oh, doctors are just pushing this and pushing this. And it's like, it's not so much them. It's just like, it's more the system, right. you know, they're just working within that stuff. But you're right. I mean, it leads to all kinds of, call it isms, right? These weird things that we do in order to try to compensate for that stuff. And that's where the shit starts to get weird because you're like, you know, here you are and you have these things and you don't want to, you know, say them out loud to make them linear, to hear what, how crazy that shit that's actually going on inside you. You don't, um, you know, really have a means to process it because you don't want to look weak, right? You don't, uh, you, you don't even really know where to go. And so it's, uh, it, it, starts to spur on these kind of random, you know, tweaky behaviors where you're just <laughs> yeah. doing this weird shit and you're just like, you know, I know this ain't good, but I'm having trouble, you know, fucking getting back on course here, right? Yeah. When it's coming from, where is it coming from? I right. think that's the biggest thing too. People like, I think it's it's easy to catch yourself being like, why am I doing, like, what is this? Why am I doing this? I mean, mm-hmm. Having moments like that where you're like, what, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And, but Instead, of, a lot of us are just like, all right, well, I'm just going to not do that anymore. Sure. Because <laughs> that like, works well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Until tomorrow morning. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being like, well, why? You yeah. Know? And that shit's exhausting. Yeah. Like, it's not easy and it's not um, fun. <laughs> it's not It's not pleasant right. most of the time. And But it is so valuable and it's... And, you know, if you're moving a million miles an hour, like we are most of the time, mm. when do you have time to be like... You know, I'm gonna go delve into what's going on with me. Right. I'm gonna go delve into and just gonna, saying that. I'm gonna get into my head now. Yeah. 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 yeah good luck. Good <laughs> yeah. luck with that. Let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think it's cool to to meet people like you and and Tommy and some of these a lot of these other people that I've connected with that are on the same vein of like, you know, utilizing um, plants, utilizing meditation, utilizing exercise and fitness, utilizing different means of getting in touch with that and right. having those moments yeah. that you can really get yourself healthy mentally and, and, and understand what's going on and help one another to be like, Hey, this is what I've experienced with this. Yes. You know, how are you doing with your stuff? Right. Keep, keep them on track. Yeah. And it's essential because like-minded people doing that work without the tribe setting of that for us, man, the no success, no, no success at all. And, you know, just like you're saying, like, I mean, with Tommy, like, just, or, you know, organically, right, um, getting into firing up the glass again and doing stuff. I mean, I met him right about at that time, right? And both of us were kind of trying to figure out a different way because what we were doing wasn't working at all, right? Um, and, you know, having that, that opportunity for, uh, you know, a new start you know, a new beginning, like a, a chance to redefine the midlife crisis <laughs> for broken people like us, right? Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a total, it's a total gift, right? Yeah. It's a gift. But you need each other. We need right. men. Men need each other in that setting. It's this, you can't rely to heal yourself because you heal you. It's you 
that does it, right? You have to do that, but you need to be able to have accountable people that you can check into that are trying to do that same arduous work because it's work. It's hard work. Yeah. It's painful work. Men need other men to blow. You got to, you, <laughs> men, men can't blow without other men. Well, yeah. can they? But you're right. Glass. You're right. Blow glass, you know? Turn up the heat and, <laughs> and start loving each and other. And that's, that's the main medium that you're using for that, right? Uh, right now is, is the glass shop for being able to like help, help other people through that and, and be able to do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the glass is, I think a very good one, like, um, medium, right. For, um, you know, for that, for vets, especially for, um, you know, for special warfare guys, special forces guys, the, um, the glass is perfect for them, right. Because it's, it's intense. It's, um, there's a process there. It requires focus to break down fundamentals, right? And you get a team guy in there and it's like, okay, Chris, fucking tell me what, one, okay, yeah. one step, step two, okay, yeah. right? Load, clear, shoot, you know, yeah. that's where they go. But it's just good to, you know, it's a perfect process for that. But then we've also got painting, we've got ceramics, um, there's metal sculpture, there's wood in there, we, we've got everything. Um, and, you know, expression and creative mediums is, is really, really important um, you know, and, and just, and just trying this different lifestyle, you know? Um, but you know, for us, like starting off, I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the main, you got to start with the surgery when you've got real trauma, when you've had to, and everybody's got trauma. This is, this is where the ego. You don't have to get shot to have trauma, right? You know, you don't have to have, you know, mainline heroin to have trauma. You don't have to have, um, you know, a family member die to have trauma. Like people have trauma from, just growing up, everyone has trauma. Everyone's got and trauma. No one's trauma is bigger than somebody else's. That's exactly like, right. I think pe- people get in this competition of like, yeah. whose trauma is bigger? Who's the king of misery <laughs> yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Who's the most fucked up? And well, I'm not as bad as this guy, so I shouldn't be complaining. Right. You know. Right. And I don't need help because I, I've never had to kill someone or I've never had someone die in my arms. But it's all perception and everyone's trauma prints on them in their own way. Someone can run over a cat and be just as fucked up as say me or <laughs> yeah. Tommy or any other guy. I yeah. don't know. But, and that's fine but yeah. because we all need help, you yeah. know, but, um, you know, the hard reset that, you know, we've kind of, you know, found is, is in that, that plant medicine realm, you know, to, to restart. And that's the point of surgery. That's where you can get your new departure point. And it's strictly a departure point. Um, yeah, I think that's like the most people get caught up on the fact that they're like, oh, well, I don't this is, I don't want to be a drug addict. I don't want to take drugs or I don't want to, you know, be smoking weed all day or do this or that. Right. But like you said, this is not a prescription as far as like, Hey, you got to do this every day. You got to be, you know, high on mushrooms or ayahuasca or DMT to, to be able to be successful or to be able to be a healthy person. It's like, these are little tools like in the, the, the hot shop. These are tools that allow you to see a different picture and just like get in touch and kind of div- uh, understand where the ego plays in to right. kind of break down the ego, what's been going on in your own head, what's been going on in your 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 body, your heart, your your mind, so that way you have a path that you can go through right. and then start putting in the work. Exactly. So it's not like, oh, this you just take this and you'd be good. No. It's like, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're not That'd be, be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, here, have this so you can understand 
what's going on. Right. And then you start putting in the steps. You start putting in the work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What, it, yeah. Yeah. What are you guys uh, uh, doing? I know you guys have like some stuff that you've, you've got in the work with what you're doing at the, the, the shop and glass and that creative space. Are you planning on kind of rolling that? I know you're doing that too with a lot of vets, like you said, mm-hmm. a lot of team guys, a lot of special forces. And, you know, how's that, how do you guys envision that looking as far as, as it, you know, continues to evolve? Like, right. what do you want it to, to grow into or what are you guys growing that? Yeah. As? So, I mean, outside of the medicine, right, outside of the treatment, it's starting, starting there, right? Um, and the, really the most important thing outside of that is to start a whole different track. You know, I mean, you got to look at it like you're being treated like you would for an injury or a life-threatening condition where you're operated on. And then post-surgery, you need to rehab and then you need to figure out a new direction so you don't get hurt again. So you don't end up on the operating table again, right? Just like an athlete, just like, uh, you know, anybody that needs some R&R. And so the big thing that organically, really, I mean, over the last couple of three years where we've been doing this work, Tommy and I together, and this stuff is just kind of kind of grown in front of us, right? And there's a number of other guys in our tribe, you know, a lot of team guys and like-minded people that are doing this work. Um, but understanding that the target is to, um, you know, find a different way to live, you know, and in the medicine, waking up the, you know, le- you hear a lot of right brain, left brain, parasympathetic, sympathetic portion of your nervous system. The whole target is to live more in that parasympathetic and get out of that fight or flight stuff. Look at what you're doing, you know, critically think and and think clearly and be motivated by different things. I mean, all of us were ego-driven, uh, masking, covering up terrible, terrible things, um, you know, pretending like everything was okay, right? And if we can look at those things and exercise those things and process them, and start to go about things in a different way um, with the brain being turned on the right way and you push it with the physical training, nervous system training, cold immersion is a huge thing. Breath work is huge. The beautiful work that PJ is doing up at XPT, um, you know, underwater nervous system training, um, all of it. And then the art is a key piece too to achieve flow state. And flow state is when you're operating at that frequency, when you're in that zone. And you know when you're there. Yeah, I know when I'm there. But how do you stay there? That's 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 the million-dollar question. Mm-hmm. And I think that between the balances of the medicine in the appropriate settings, done correctly, safely, medically, as a medicine, and then doing the work outside of it, that we're we're on to something kind of special and and modeling it for special warfare operators but this could be for so many more people and that's just where we started because that's just where it's started Tip of the spear that's yeah. just where we were yeah and that's who tommy was and that's yeah. how we just kind of got here um but this gift is so much bigger than that right right and it's um and i think that that's that's so that's kind of like our our mission because it's, 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 um, you know, teaching yourself to just go about things differently. And, you know, if you see, if you could see like what I've seen and what Tommy's seen taking guys through down there at that moment, when somebody comes through that and they're processing some terrible stuff and you see their face when they come out on the other side, I mean, it looks like you're looking at a, at a, at a little boy. Right. And I mean, it's mm. a new person. 
I mean, we have an opportunity to be remade as though in a furnace, a glass furnace, like you are stripped down to your elemental self. And then you have this opportunity to start over and, but you got to go about doing it the right way. You can, you can feel great for like a little bit and then say, Oh, I'm you not do the work and you're fizzle and fry and you're just done. So that, that's, that's really our main thing because, um, you know, there's places for people to do that. Um, unfortunately, like right now, like you're aware, I mean, it's not a legal thing, so you've got to do it in certain settings. Got to do it in Portland, <laughs> outside <laughs> in black sites, south <laughs> of the border, you know, like different things. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's, that's been like our, our main, uh, focus, you know, my main focus, um, and, and his as well. And it, we're, we're really excited and it's such a blessing, you know, it's like a miracle too, because like we were talking about art being a miracle when you get it right, it's these people and this population that you're helping people that are like the mental illness and mental trauma and all of that depression. I feel like a lot in the past has been looked at like uncurable, mm. like, okay, these people got fucked up from what they did, yeah. whether it was, you know, it could be from a number of things that we've talked about and haven't talked about, but we were, we didn't know. So we knew so little right. about the brain and how it worked. And we, in in history have just thrown those people away yeah we've put them in a mental institution we put them in jail we put them in um somewhere locked it threw it away we don't understand it they're crazy um and now it's we're kind of seeing a, a i feel like a new uh new awakening happening where we're able to revive those people yeah and bring them back from what we thought was an incurable thing yeah you know and it, it is i think it is a bit of a renaissance like you said right it's uh a different time. There's a happening happening um, with this stuff. And yeah, and before, you know, just like, you know, this stuff has been utilized for millennia. And, you know, just because certain people dwell in the forest and stuff, and they don't speak our language, and they got a bone going through their nose, don't think that they don't have something that they can teach us, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the ego again. It's like, well, what, what can they show us? Because mental health, I mean, you know, there's a saying that we talk about, it's like, you know, the, the brain controls the body, but the heart controls the mind. Right. And so if you think about that, you know, that kind of circle and that completing of that, that, that loop, if you have one of those things severed, right. I mean, the heart controlling the mind, I mean, that's really your spirit. That's who you are. Like, you know, sure you can be, you know, your brain and you can do functional stuff. Right. But it's like, who are you? Like who, you know, who, what's in, what's in there, you know? And so if you can get that to communicate to your mind and then you can create that loop and stay in more or less kind of that flow state, you know, lane, right. And be doing these types of things. I mean, you can really do some amazing things because you're unleashing your own potential. It's all you. It's not like this stuff's like some, it's a turbocharger, but it's, that's it. It's just an opportunity. It presents a window of opportunity and it's still the man. And, and, uh, that's what's so beautiful because you see guys that were bound up as hell, ego through the roof, dying inside. And now coming out of this, that flipping all that stuff and learning that loving fiercely is actually the best way to fight. Like, how about that? Think about that for a second. And it's just like, and trying to teach that to a, a team guy. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, but see, and that's the beautiful thing because it's like, that's, and that's where we're at now because, you know, when, you know, I, we talk about this all the time, me and the, and the other guys and stuff. And it's like, we're in the realm of spiritual warfare and like, you know, everything's on the line, like our salvation, our, um, 
legacy that we'll leave behind for our, our kids. Um, everything's at stake. And so we, we really want to, um, you know, try with everything we have to, to, to go about things in a different way. And let's face it, like you said, COVID and everything else going on, you see a lot of people, simply put, a lot of people are going this way when people should be going this way. There's just so much chaos, right? So much fear, so much um, just just bad stuff happening, right? And misdirected, um, it's, it's just lacking, you know, harmony. And if we can somehow get balanced and maintain that balance and then inspire the guys that come behind us to show them that there's a way, you know, there's, it's possible. And it's not easy. And there's no, there's no mission success here. It's not like I'm, I'm not there. I mean, I, you know, shoot, I'll probably pull out of here and be crying in my car on the way I drive home or something. <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, it's, it's about the, the, the target and the journey and tr- right. striving. I right? think the spirituality too aspect of it is something that so many people overlook, mm. especially nowadays. It's not popular or, uh, it's almost like, it's almost more, it's more popular nowadays to say, I don't believe in God, or I don't believe, I have no spirituality, or I'm an atheist. Right. Um, especially if you're in LA or Hollywood or any of those spots. But yeah. that's the one thing that nobody can deny utilizing some of these medicines, the psilocybin, the DMT, and some of those. is It's a spiritual awakening. A sp- like A lot of people describe it as just having spiritual um, experiences and right. becoming closer to... God and spirituality and what they see and just kind of unveiling this mask of bullshit that we've put in front of us because of, you know, technology and this and that and all the reasons we have to kind of deny that aspect of our bodies because we can't see it. Right. And now we're so X's and O's. If I can't physically touch it, Uh why do I want it? I, you know, I can't touch God. I can't feel it. I can't put a sign of value to it that has dollar value. Um, unless you're in a church, you can. Yeah, right. <laughs> then, uh, yeah. then why do I, I don't want it. I don't need it. Yeah. But like you said, we're dying inside. Right. But um, what is the, because we've talked a few times on the podcast about um, some of these things. And as we, we get closer to wrapping up, I want to touch on uh, one more piece that I feel like we kind of leave. And I, I wish we talked about more with other people. And I, I now having you and remembering it, I'm thankful as hmm. somebody that's just listening that has no idea where to start because you are talking about a substance that is not easy to attain, or I don't know if it's not, it's not legal to right. obtain. We're talking about, you know, psilocybin and 5-MeO-DMT and some of these other things. And doctors are prescri- are utilizing it and um, researching it. So there is a lot of research going into it. There's a lot of data out there. Yeah. It's become more and more, um, I would say, mainstream. You know, you hear about CEOs and uh, you talk to people every day. And I've, I've literally come across one person every day at least that's like, oh, I microdose yeah. uh, psilocybin. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> they just don't want to tell you. Totally. Um, and I feel like we're going to look at it. We're going to look back on this as like weed when now everybody, you know, my grandma's on weed. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but, you know, three years ago, you go to jail for your life. Right. For selling it, you know? Yeah. And I feel like we're going to look back on it the same way. But how does somebody, where do you think somebody starts that is like, hey, I'm, I'm interested. I have trauma. You're telling me all the things. I'm interested in everything you're saying. You're telling me all the things, the right things. I'm checking these boxes. Right. 
where do I sign up? Where do I sign up? There's a magic question. Yeah. And so it's like, where do you think, should they start with just research and, and utilizing some of the, the, the stuff online? Do you think they should start with, you know, uh, breathing exercises, meditations, slowly work up and, and kind of delve into that community and figure and then go step by step? Where does somebody start? You know, because it's yeah. kind of intimidating. No, it is. It is. And I think, um, you know, on that, you know, for like I'll, to go all the way back, because I love what you said there on the spiritual piece, you know, a lot of these people, and not to get make this a political thing at all, but, you know, a lot of the people these days are so everything's all about activism, right? And looking outward and, you know, the battle cry of like revolution of these huge changes that people are going to do and transform everything within their lifetime and stuff. Whereas there's no like looking within. And meanwhile, a lot of these people's houses are on fire, right? And, you know, I, th I think that for some of these people that seek this kind of stuff out, it may be more that white collar CEO guy that's looking for that edge. He wants the performance, he wants to, you know, best his opponents and triumph, you know, fiscally in his in his business, you know, each year and 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 meet new uh, benchmarks that way and stuff. But there's a both and to this stuff. And when guys are chasing the performance side, they're going to get that spirituality, like it or not. It's it's coming for you. <laughs> God's coming for you because you know whether they know it or not. You know, a lot of times it could be like back to the the trauma piece right i mean it's like everyone's got trauma it doesn't you don't have to have done certain things to you know qualify for for something like this and um you know ev everybody could could use that gift and you know getting that that glimpse of spirituality and and getting those things on board um are are life altering and even if you don't even know it's it's coming right um so that's just like an, an added benefit of, of all this stuff. And then, and then, you know, you, you start to change, um, the way that, that you're thinking, because, you know, maybe that guy is crushing it at work, but maybe his marriage is slipping. Maybe he's not leading his family the way he should be. And he doesn't have to be a Christian. Those are Christian principles, right? Christian roles within a household and stuff, but, you know, certain things that are within, a certain design, once you look at it without trying to say this is a Christian way or this is thing, some things are just right, you know? And and when it resonates with you on that frequency level, you know when something's right. You're 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 that that little voice of truth that's deep within yourself that you often can't hear because of that distortion we were talking about or whatever starts to speak to you, you know, when you, when you're doing this stuff and, and it'll wake you up to these other benefits too. So performance, spirituality, everything. And there's, there's a number of groups, um, nonprofits and various people. I mean, we got a team guy that went out to our buddy Moose went out to the, like, uh, Harvard and UMass and MIT. And he's out there talking to these guys because as I began experience, um, field trip, um, is a company out of Canada that Tommy flew out and met with they were guys that hit a home run in cannabis, and now they're getting into this. They have a huge psilocybin farm in Jamaica. I think they just did their IPO a few months ago, already rolling up public, and they see the way the wind's blowing. Like This stuff is where cannabis was a few years ago. You got a number of states that are pushing legalization of psilocybin. Florida may be the first red state to do so soon, Oregon, Washington, California. Um, but right now, domestically, um, through medical professionals and assisted psychotherapy with uh, psychedelics, 
Um, they're using ketamine, the dissociative stuff. Um, SEAL uh, combat uh, medics use that instead of morphine in the field. For um, But there's a lot of uh, you know therapeutic applications there for people with trauma and PTSD. Um, and just therapeutic tools. And I know that certain other doctors are, are getting on board with the other uh, medicines and stuff, but the heavy guys, the Ibogaine, the 5-MeO and stuff, I mean, for now, you know, it's foreign countries, maybe. It's like, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of the way yeah. that stuff goes. But, but the, I don't think you need to start there. No. I think most people would find value and find a, a little stepping stone to their recovery and their mental health with some breath work, with... Yes some consistent exercise with some meditation yes um are super simple ways i feel like a lot of people are starting to roll uh, into that yes. into that process and then obviously once you want to take it to that degree there are options There's, out there right but and for the most part a lot of those people i feel like just breathing is is something everybody can do yes. you know everyone can't always exercise or have the, you know, be in that space to do that. Mm-hmm. But everyone has to breathe. Yes. You know, that's something you <laughs> can do, do at home. There's a number of apps that, you know, the st- um, state is an app that I, uh, that I know that does it. Mm-hmm. Um, Focus Calm is a great one that does it, that implements a, a headband so that you can get your brainwave activity while you do that meditations and the breathing. Right. And, um, what's the one? Uh, XBT yes. is another one. They do breathing. But so there's some really, cool stuff out there for breathing that anybody can do anywhere, yeah. I think is a great spot to start. All, you know? of, all of that stuff, meditation, breathing. And, and just for me, I could never be like physical, physical exercise and getting it after like a psychopath workouts. Yeah. I was always fine with that. Yeah. But those stillness exercises, right? The meditation, the breath work, some people need a hard reset before, but you're absolutely right. Anything that you can do to start to probe that parasympathetic, anything you can do to start to calm yourself down to kind of just be still and start to harmonize with those frequencies, get in touch with yourself, get in touch with your surroundings, like get in touch with the people you love. Everything is frequency and all that stuff helps you to hum at the appropriate frequency so that you can commune with others, you can commune with yourself and not to go down some hippy dippy road, but I truly believe it, you know. Yeah. And and those things are tools that you don't need to. I mean, there's Buddhist monks that can melt snow with their hands and melt rock and stuff, and they can meditate and levit. You know, they're doing all this stuff. No medicine on board, right? So there is very possible. And yes, if people would just start doing some of that stuff, um, yoga, mm-hmm. um, stretching after these workouts and stuff, there's crazy meditative um, benefits from doing that. Um, all those types of things, um, are, are huge, huge tools to start to get down that track, you know, um, anything to get a nice little reset. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I agree. And it's, it's, um, it's been cool having you on. It's been a special, special time. I love this episode. Thank you, man, for coming in. Hell yeah. Thank you for, uh, sharing and opening up about all that stuff. It's, it's been awesome. Uh, probably one of my favorite episodes we've, we've done, cool. I think with everything we got into and, and everything and you brought me a gift so hey already at the we, top <laughs> we come bearing gifts glass yeah. gifts and you brought me the glass that i blew too so yeah happy happy blowing um, we're gonna have to get down to the uh yeah. the the what do you call it hot chop the, the studio, hot chop studio the glass shop yeah um and uh we'll have to get mike down there and my wife and yeah absolutely yeah Just, we can all blow we can all blow <laughs> <laughs> all right man take care thanks Kristen. 
All right, guys, there you have it. Another episode. If you guys ever catch me on the podcast again, I'm going to vow right here to only drink out of this glass that he brought me for the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Only ever out of that glass. Handmade by the one, the only Chris Everett. Um, Shout out to him for coming on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys for uh, listening. Thank you to him for coming on. That was an awesome episode. Got into a lot. Super inspired, super encouraged after after talking to him, hearing what he's doing, and um, just sharing. It's it's awesome to be around guys that are that are like minded, that are on that just different la- uh, wavelength. And you definitely can tell, you definitely can notice uh, when when guys like that special special people, guys and girls, special people to be around. Um, non-binary. I'm not I'm not gonna assume his gender. <laughs> now nowadays you can't assume gender, but. There it is, episode 74. Thank you guys for being with us. We'll see you here next time. Peace. Support for the podcast is brought to you by XWorks. All right, we love XWorks here. I've been using them for a number of years. Uh, I've been using, they started with just pre-workout and have really stayed pretty grassroots and true to who they are by only making a select number of products that they do to the best of their ability. So they make sure that all the right ingredients are in there that only do what they want the product to do. No fillers, no additives, no garbage, no bullshit. Like you're not gonna see a ton of shit in there with the name like xylitol or like xanthan gum or other things you can't pronounce and I don't, I'm not smart enough to know what they are. Um, so check them out, xworks.com. They sell a number of products now that they've developed from the ground up. Uh, my favorites are their pre-workout, their Ignite. That's their flagship product that they started off with. Uh, they sell a grow product, which is their protein. That's another one of my staples. That protein has 100% whey protein isolate. It's from grass-fed cows. Um, no artificial sweeteners, no flavors, no coloring, uh, soy and gluten-free, duh. All kinds of information on each one of their products and how to best use them is on their website, xworks.com. And recently, they have just uh, relaunched a CBD cream rub and they also have cbd droplets and pills as well so i go to them for all of our supplements and have been trusting them for years you guys should too check them out they support us support them xworks.com all right guys support for the podcast is brought to you by loco coffee these guys bring you cold brew coffee mixed with additives two simple ingredients you got your cold brew coffee and then in the what color is this? This is green. I'm a little colorblind. In the green can, they have maple water. In the blue can, they have coconut water. All right. So they mix the the cold brew coffee with that two ingredients. That's it. Gives you over 200 milligrams of caffeine in a bottle. Gives you natural electrolytes and energy, um, antioxidants as well from that. No sugar. If you guys want to check them out, use code Pardon Me for 20% off. And their website is Drink Loco Coffee. Com. All right. Check them out. Good guys, uh, small company, and uh, they support us. So we're going to support them. And I hope you guys do too. Check them out one more time. That is drinklococoffee.com. Use code pardon me for 20% off. Check them out.